everyone, and welcome to another Horror Homeroom Conversations. I'm Dawn Keeley. I'm Gwen Hoffman. I'm Elizabeth Irwin. And it's October. The Halloween is coming, and it's time for everyone, even those who aren't horror fans, who are you anyway, <laughs> to watch horror films. There's a lot of lists out there of the most terrifying horror movies, but we're going to give ours today our scariest films, scariest moments. We're going to take a look at why they're so scary, break some things down for you. So I guess we're going to start by talking about films that scared us when we were a kid, like those early scares. I just have two things that I remember being terrified of when I was a kid. I just looked up the date of this film and I can't believe how early it is and I have to try to watch it again. But I remember being terrified by Ghost Train from 1941 (laughs) (laughs) in which a group of passengers are trapped (laughs) at a train station And a phantom train is inexorably speeding toward them. (laughs) And I found that, like, so terrifying. I remember having to hide behind the sofa. (laughs) No judgment. (laughs) And then I guess the, the second thing, and it's weird because this is kind of related... I was actually also, and I'm really not that old. Like it was, we're talking like this must have been. <laughs> I love that you find the need to justify that. Twenty caveat. You're this not. must have been like 30 years after Ghost Train was released. People, I was not watching it in 1941. Um, but then there was also the Daleks from Doctor Who. Another thing I used to hide behind the sofa to escape, and I guess it got me thinking that weirdly, like. The Ghost Train and the Daleks are both these, like, mechanical, robotic, like, unreasoning kinds of machines that just do what they do without any reason. So maybe there's a connection there. (laughs) But those were my first scares. (laughs) I would not have seen either of those coming. (laughs) So I can go next. I have, from childhood, I have three things that scare the bejesus out of me. One of, well, not always fully horror films, but I just feel like it was, in, I, I just remember how much they did scare me. So I guess the earliest one, oh yeah, it's, it's happening. The earliest one would have been 1982, the movie E.T. Get out of here. That, <laughs> Yo, no one was scared I was, of E.T. That thing scared the hell out of me. E. I was e. like, itself? yeah, I was like oh. under the chair. But I did not want to come out. I mean, I eventually <laughs> came to terms with this, you know, of course. But there was something about E.T. that just really you, scared me. Do you know when that movie came out, my entire bedroom was all E.T. things down to the lamp? Well, you covers, scared me a little bit. Too. Everything. You would, that would have, like, crippled you. <laughs> no, I mean, I got past it. But I, when I was watching the film, I remember being in the theater. And it, I was just a little bit nervous. And then, well, sure. we we can't put ET on a list of the most horrifying movies. It is not. <laughs> it's not a horror film by any means. But there was just something about that creepy little guy. There was a lot of creepy things. Like even if I think back to like the movie Labyrinth, which of course I was much older at that point. But those fiery guys, the fiery guys that take their heads off and throw them at you. I had like a nightmare one night that these things were chasing me and throwing their heads at me, and it was quite ridiculous. 
Wait, so is your second film Labyrinth? No, it's oh. not. But that just came to me as we were already laughing okay. at me. I figured I might as well just go all in. I mean, David Bowie's bald scared me a bit in that movie, too. But well, hey, that's fair. I mean, it was quite artificial. But um, So then moving forward, I remember the original Michael Jackson thriller video. Oh, okay. I had nightmares about werewolves. And I'm not scared of werewolves by any means. I've seen a million uh, werewolf films. I mean, I used to watch Faces of Death, man. Like, And something about that stupid original Michael Jackson thriller video just did me in. And then my last childhood one, which is probably my most notable one that has always stayed with me, is the film Cat's Eye. Wow. Oh, not that's a because, good one. Not necessarily because the film itself is so scary. I was convinced that troll was living in my room. Convinced. Like, it was one of those completely irrational fears. I knew that this is not you know, something that's going to happen. But, like, I'd be checking the woodwork, uh, the frames of my my walls to see if anything had been moved. I would bury myself in a bed of stuffed animals. I would lay face down. I don't know how I didn't smother myself. It was one of those things. Now, would you say that the troll in Cat's Eye looks a bit like E.T.? Because I think well, I'm yeah, seeing I mean, a they're connection. Both, they're super might be. creepy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but I'm sure that thing was coming to steal my breath. Are those your ones from childhood? Those are my childhood ones. Okay. So for me, I was never afraid of like haunted houses or ghost trains or ghosts in general. <laughs> I feel like she's kind of putting us down as she does this. But okay. No, not at all because you or just trolls. wait. <laughs> or trolls, <laughs> per se. Uh, for me, the monsters have always been human and they've always lived inside of the house. And so the two that I remember most vividly from childhood are actually not horror films at all. They're made for TV movies. And I'm pretty sure that at some point I wrote about this at Horror Homeroom, or at least I think you I think did. You did? Maybe it's <laughs> I one of those pieces that you started. One of those drafts. <laughs> yeah, one of those drafts. Uh, but the first one is Don't Go to Sleep from 1982. Yeah. And there's this really great scene of two siblings are in a car. And one of the siblings ties the shoelaces of the other sibling, and the car's about to explode, and she slams the door on the one sibling who can't get out. And then fast forward in the story, and suddenly the dead sibling is now living underneath the bed of the sibling who contributed to her death. And it's so fantastic and campy. There's death by pizza cutter. Kids get killed, Gwen, so you That's would fantastic. love it. Yeah, but I swore there was something under my bed. I was like, okay, well, this is clearly valid. And every time I go to bed, I'm going to look under. <laughs> do you still? I, I do still. If I'm watching something and I get like triggered to yeah. like fear, I will still look under the bed. But I think that comes more from like reading true crime books and realizing, yeah, you know, serial killers actually do. Yes. Like hide, hide under, under the bed. bed. My mattress is directly on the floor, so I don't have to worry about that. I literally, yeah. are facts, I literally yeah. just had this conversation with my best friend on the phone today because we were just talking about stupid stuff and, you know, how I sleep with my feet hanging off the edge of the bed. Ooh. And all she says is, Anna, she goes, I seen that movie. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, no, I seen that movie. I was like, I'm just, I'm hot. I like my feet hanging over the edge of the bed. And I said, my mattress is right on the floor. There's nothing under my mattress. She goes, nah, mm -mm. it can crawl right around. I was Ooh. like, okay, bud. Well, that's good. That's something for me to catalog to add to my many issues that I deal with. Uh, but the one movie that really absolutely crippled me to the point where I legitimately needed medical intervention Shut from, up. no, I really did, was 1984's Fatal Vision. Oh, and here's yeah, the thing. Yeah, here is the thing about that. So I, my mom is had me when she was very, very young. She had very poor judgment about what, you know, a seven-year-old should be watching on television. So I stayed up 
you know, 9 to 11 is when these movies aired. And it happened over the course of many nights. Mm -hmm. And long story short, it is the true story of Jeffrey McDonald who killed, massacred, basically, um, his pregnant wife and his two young children. It was pretty visceral for television, especially in the 80s. And I swore upside down and over that someone in my family was going to kill me. And yeah, so I always struggled. Well, if it's going to be anybody, it usually is. Well, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I had already struggled with like safety issues and like, you know, feeling unsafe. Uh And it's funny you mentioned the, I'm like so dying right now that you mentioned the stuffed animals because literally for an entire year, I created like a fort of stuffed animals, Mm. slept on my side thinking that when they came to knife me, hopefully it would go through the stuffed animals and not hit any organs. I'm seven. Right? Genius. Like, how insane is this? Yeah, I didn't sleep for a year, and that's not an exaggeration. It was. If wow. only Tipper Gore had gotten those parental warnings out a little bit earlier, man. <laughs> it wouldn't have would mattered. Have saved your life. <laughs> no, Nancy would have yeah. still been like, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Suck it up, kid. You're going to be fine. Uh, but that did stay with me. And that, I think, probably was my biggest fear. I was like, yeah, yeah someone in my family is going to gut me in my sleep. So, ergo, do not go to sleep. <laughs> Nothing irrational? No, like, weird? No, no. It was always human monsters that I thought, yeah, they're going to come and get you. Yeah, and within the home. So I I was never afraid of, like, uh, you know, like, creature features or... Even anything that took place outside of the home. So I camp a lot, but that never really frightened me either because, you know, those homicidal maniacs are a little bit otherworldly in their strength and, their you know, their ability to get to you. But, oh, yeah, within the home. I wonder if it all came from watching Fatal Vision, because I could see how that would be terrifying to someone who was young. Or do you like I wonder if it preceded that or if it really was that that set off your fear of something in the home. It was probably a combination of things. And that just sort of sealed the deal. And that's still a fear that I would say I probably had for a very long time. I don't have it anymore. Yeah, so that was my... Well, I know home invasion films scare you too, but just kind yeah. of on this like kind of idea about people in your home, how do you feel about Flowers in the Attic? I, lo- I read all of those books, again, at an inappropriate young age, and I loved all of those books. Yeah. I didn't find those upsetting, I think... Not the grandmother? No, not at all. I think now, because I recently did a rereading of a couple of V.C. Andrews books, which I do recommend because... Wow. It explains so much, I think, of our generation and like how skewered we are on some Mm -hmm. things because the sexual politics of those books are astounding, which I never picked up on as a kid. Yeah. I mean, I I remember reading Flowers in the Attic at some point. I think I was I was on the young side, too. And I remember devouring it. I don't really remember much of what it's about now, but I remember feeling like I was reading something I shouldn't have been reading. Yeah. So I was clearly too young to, like, process what it was about exactly. <laughs> See, anyway. no E.T. for me. Sorry. Like I said, E.T. was We're literally... We're coming back my... to this, aren't we? I'm never going to let you live that down. Yeah. I mean, I had the E.T. like Atari game and stuff where you were, like, following the Reese's Pieces. Oh, I pieces. had that, too. That was so bad. Yeah, I mean, it was, like... We came th- we came to terms, me and E.T., but there was just something when I watched it the first time. Do you know that game wound up in a landfill? No. It was such it was perceived to be such a bad game that yeah. they literally got all the copies and buried it. There's a whole documentary about this. We did I know that's neither here nor there, but I really do recommend that documentary. I'll link that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with horror hey. except for Gwen. But... <laughs> me on a tangent? No. no. <laughs> So I think we can sum that up by saying that while mine were mechanical, inexorable horror 
things. Mine are ridiculous. <laughs> yours are creature features. Yeah. They're all creatures. And yours are human invaders of the domestic space. And I have to say, like, mine is... Con- I didn't put this on my list, but it actually follows the thread. Speaking of made-for-TV movies, I should have put Duel on my hmm. list. Stephen King's film from the 19... Early 1970s, I think. I uh, love that film. About a truck that's chasing a driver. Dennis Weaver. Yeah, and Dennis Weaver's in Don't Go to Sleep. He plays the dad. He got around in the 80s. Yeah, he was a big 70s and 80s actor. Moving along to... This was the early 80s for me, and I have to put Friday the 13th on my list. Um, It was the first, like, real horror film I saw, and I think it was pretty soon after it came out, like maybe 1982, 1983, and I hadn't... Well, like I said, I hadn't seen anything like it before. But the, and the scene that really horrified me was the first death, or kind of the first death. It's Annie, who, you know, we meet her in this idyllic small town. She seems like she's going to be a main character. You immediately like her. She hitches a ride to the camp. And before you know it, like, she's being chased through the woods. And then, and this was the moment that, horrified me to the point of traumatized me the moment when as it turns out jason's mother cuts her throat and Mm. and in every film i had seen that had the remotest little bit of violence in it the camera would have cut away before that moment but you know just that the camera staying on the knife cutting across her throat so it, it was that it was like the the spectacle of violence which i'd never seen before what i thought would be a main character it's sort of the psycho effect um i thought annie was going to be a main character and now she's dead and just the realism that the film sets up it seemed like a real recognizable familiar world and it's just violated because i didn't know what the slasher plot was i didn't know what was going to happen i wasn't expecting people to die that's so they were one. going to camp. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like a camp movie. I mean, I knew. Yeah. Obviously, I yeah. knew what the film was about. Like, I knew they were all going to get killed. But I didn't know it, like, in a visceral way, sort of. Mm. So. Hmm. so this has been a tough discussion, too. And I know that we'll get into this a little bit later. Because, like, outside of those things from childhood, there's not really any films that really kept me up at night. Or just had me perseverating on anything or any movie monster or movie character or anything like that that really just horrified me. Um, Ever? After the after E.T., that was it? No, that was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it, it gets better. E.T., Michael Jackson, and, and, and uh, uh, Cat's Eye. Eye. Yeah, that nothing. troll, man. I still hate that troll. He's gross, man. The next closest thing that came immediately to mind was, uh, we were talking about it, that made-for-TV movie, Rattled. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's not because I'm scared of snakes. I'm not at all. But I, I think it, <laughs> I didn't scare the bejesus out really? of me. Really? Yeah. Oh no! See, I went to a rattlesnake roundup in Sweetwater, Texas, too. I mean, just thousands and thousands of snakes, man. Why would you do that? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> that sounds awful. Because I love, you know, just learning new things and seeing new and things, you like and, nature. <laughs> and a good amount of them get released. Some of them, of course, are used for for meat and their skins and whatnot. But yeah, they actually do one in Pennsylvania. I think a couple in Pennsylvania, I believe. Yeah, you'll have to Google that. There's no snakes in Pennsylvania, though, Gwen. Do you want me to name them uh, all no, for you? No, no. I'm, I'm telling you, it. there are no snakes Actually, in, in this area. There are. Not for nothing. 
there were four snakes right in front of my house yesterday. In uh-huh. my so. head, There's there actually... are no snakes in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. We're gonna since we're laughing about my ET, oh, ET God. thing. But that we're gonna let exist. you know too that there's venomous snakes. Yep. in this town. Do yes, not even. And so we can break that down for you, pal. Um, but no, I think it was some of the shots, the camera work. I mean, by no means was this the most amazingly filmed movie at all. <laughs> but it was just some of the things, you know, as we were just talking that um, this house becomes infested with rattlesnakes. And again, I believe it's because they might have just been developing in the land and, you yeah. know, it kind of erupted this snake ball or whatever. And they all came into the houses as people <laughs> are living there. And there was these scenes where somebody would be reaching to an upper shelf in a closet and the camera point of view was from the inside of the closet out. So we knew as the audience that there was a snake sleeping on that ledge and you would see somebody just tapping around on I that shelf remember that. looking for mm-hmm. something and you're like, oh, God, this is happening. Oh, my God, please don't reach <laughs> up there. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Oh, God, it's happening. And it was the suspense. The anticipation of things will get me a lot. Because once something is there, it's there. Like, even if, you know, you're chasing me, okay, I know you're there. And I feel the same way in haunted houses when I go to haunted hayrides and all these attractions. It's the anticipation that literally mm. kills me because my mind is probably worse than anything you can throw at me. And um, I think that's what that film really played with was just some of that, you know, it's there, but we're not going to we're not going to let it happen. You know, the person stands up and the snake is was in the toilet, which is everybody's kind of like oh fear. Oh, my God. Yes, yeah. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, I that one. I still look for snakes in the toilet. <laughs> I do, too. Yeah. I don't. I... Shut up. Really? You oh, don't? Yeah. No. I never sit down <laughs> no, I, without looking first. No, that, ma'am. I mean, I no. I look at the seat, but not for snakes. No. And that's based on a China Beach episode for me. China. That was yeah, she has a snake, and then she goes running out. I was like, well, <laughs> there's a phobia codified. Uh, yeah. No. And, of course, I mean, there's other films, too, that I, I mean, again, did Jaws keep me up at night? Did it keep me out of the water? No, but I, I think about it, and I think that that says something. Mm-hmm. Like, to this day, I still think about it. Like, part of my fear of sharks is not just because I learned about sharks as a kid. It's from that film. And it, it too, plays with that suspense and, you know, the anticipation of you knowing something's under you and something about that freaks me out is just knowing something's under me. And even if it's not touching me, the, just that looming threat. And even, too, like to this day, if I, I could be swimming in a lake and there's really nothing in that lake. I mean, come on. I just feel like, oh, God, there's probably something under my feet, like just under my feet. I don't care for that. Um, Jaws probably largely contributed to that. I wonder how many new phobias this conversation is going to create for all of us, because I never would have thought about that. Something like lurking beneath me as I swim in lakes. I will now. I can go kayaking with me. I'll help you out with that. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Liz. You got something? Yeah. um, So we're kind of like in the teen years, right? Is this where we're at uh, chronologically? Okay. So for me, there's probably two moments. The first, again, still not into horror movies. It would be Twin Peaks. And there's one moment in particular, and it's when you finally see Bob and he's coming over. He's literally like climbing over a sofa and he's trying to get to Maddie, who is the doppelganger of Laura. And the scene itself is unbelievably brutal. And it's still shocking to me that it ever aired on network television uh, because he just bashes her body. But it's that moment of him 
surprising you and then creeping over and knowing that there's absolutely nothing she can do. And again, it resides in the home. You yeah. find out that yeah. Bob is actually being channeled through her father, Leland. So there's like a lot of layers there. And I just watch that. And it kind of, when you, we talk about horror is giving you like a lot of like an adrenaline rush. That to me is the moment that personifies that because mm -hmm. I just remember sitting like moving up close to the TV and just feeling like I was going to be sucked in. Yeah, your eyes are, are all white right now. It's <laughs> such a visceral reaction and it still holds up for me because I recently went back and did a rewatch of the series and that moment still absolutely lands for me. <laughs> On the flip side of that would be Carrie from 1976. Yeah. And I can still remember sitting in my bedroom with my black and white television that you had to get up and turn. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching Carrie and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a horror film, big deal. Watching it, watching it, Margaret White hits the screen. Yeah. And it literally stopped me because I think she was so identifiable to me. Um, I grew up in a very conservative religion uh, when I was with my grandparents. I knew Margaret White. Knowing how easily it could get to that point absolutely it was terrifying to me she doesn't really land for me the same way now exactly but you just made me think about too is that you were talking about how you were surprised that you know twin peaks was on television and how brutal you know that one scene was and i was like damn that was every lifetime movie though in the middle of that time period like i remember specifically like what was it? The Tracy Thurman, Tracy Thurgood story. The well, one with Nancy McKeon. Beats her on the street. I that stayed with me. That stayed with me too. Like, yeah. And that's you're that, right. It's not horror. That was you know based on a you know a yeah. real story, which is mortifying. But to see something like that on, yeah. on television in that context too, like that messed with my head. Dude. Yeah. Well, the the question is, is that horror? No, well, because yeah. I I mean that's that's a kind of realistic drama yeah. kind of thing and it I almost feel like horror is designed to keep those moments at bay a little bit or to do something with them that takes them out of the realm of the purely realistic into something else. Oh, I but, agree. But I, yeah. I agree. I, I was just trying to think about exactly. like the time period like how Yeah. I mean, it was a horrifying moment. Clear. Definitely. Some of those yeah. things actually were, especially yeah. since it was a time of family values, you yeah. know, and and well, and for why. people who don't know what that scene was, she was being beaten by her abusive husband, husband yeah. and a crowd of people stood around and watched. Yeah. And like you literally saw him like stomp on her head and her yeah. neck. Yeah. It was, it was horrific. Very upsetting. But a lot of old Lifetime movies were just yeah. pretty in your face. Well, I think, though, that was the 80s, and I think there was more of an expectation of that in the 80s. Yeah. And by the mid-90s, like, I, I think the Twin Peaks probably was, like, 92, 93, maybe. Okay. I feel like the landscape of television had changed okay. so that it was frightening again. But you that would be, be a right. good but thing I mean, to look at. Nancy McKeon was older in that film. That's what I was thinking. So that would have been kind of past post-Facts of Life, which I hear they may be getting together again. Just, I don't know, sidebar. So, like, I was looking at a couple films that don't necessarily scare me. But something about them. So I have Cujo and Descent, but for the same reasons. So Cujo is 83. The Descent is 2006. Yeah. But there's certain moments of that just you you cannot escape. So in Cujo, she is stuck in that car and it's inescapable. And then and I'm not claustrophobic by any means. Um, but then in the Descent, too, like sometimes it, it just gets so tight. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, like I don't care for that feeling. And like I said, it's not even a fear of mine. But in those films... It certainly was. 
And again, I, I, I'm trying to pull just these moments, too, because again, and we'll get into this, is just that a lot of horror films haven't been overly scary for me. And I, I look for a different thing in horror films than, than some people do. But there's something about that confinement, I think. So is there any other type of like fear that kind of, do you think, is exacerbated from films? Through specific moments? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like needles in eyeballs. That Ooh. who does? <laughs> oh, I love. I enjoy that. it so awesome. much. I is that like cannot. audition or something? Yeah, and I think that happens in at least one Saw film. Oh yeah. Um, the next thing on my list is actually part of a larger thing that I just mentioned to you before we started doing this, and that's films that I can't watch or watch part of and stop or just uh. won't start watching at all. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre fell into that category for me. I think I started watching it a couple of times after not wanting to watch it. And I couldn't continue with it because I just found it way too disturbing. Um, I finally, when I finally watched it, which wasn't that long ago, all the way through, you know, I've come to basically appreciate how brilliant it is but Mm -hmm. you know i've tried to figure out why it was so disturbing because it's not even that violent and i think it's just because there isn't that sort of recognizable and familiar world like i could watch friday the 13th but i couldn't watch texas chainsaw massacre because it's this world where everything's a little bit off kilter um you know you get these shots that that are strange and weird and you know that you're being plunged into this world basically that is deeply disturbing and i guess i just didn't want to go there yeah and there are a lot of films that some i watch a lot i don't that i think they just create these worlds that i don't want to go like they're too disturbing i didn't watch last house on the left for a long time for that reason almost made my list yeah in the end i actually liked that film and i didn't find it that disturbing I won't watch Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer because I feel like that's going to take me to a place I just don't want to go. Like, just too, yeah, too disturbing. I don't know how else to put it. And I think that's that's valid and that's a good discussion to have because a lot of times you'll see people say, well... If you're a true horror fan, whatever yeah. that means, yeah. you have to watch you everything. Watch. You must consume everything yeah. that has the horror label. And I don't think that's true. I mean, people have different levels of what you're going to be comfortable yeah. with. And it doesn't mean that you're not like a true fan or that you don't appreciate the genre or understand it. It just means that you appreciate that you have boundaries. Yeah. And you respect that. Do you feel like you have to watch everything or oh, no, sample everything? Not. I don't either. Absolutely not. You like what you like. Yeah, you see that a lot, though. For you, Gwen, are there films that you won't watch because you think they'll be too disturbing? Or no. do you just think you won't like them? Oh, the more disturbing, I, I, yeah, the more see, likely I Yeah, that's what I, I figured, yeah. Because I look for that visceral, visceral reaction. And again, for me, it's not... Like, I love getting scared. And even though I haven't been scared, as we just kind of talked about since E.T., like, I haven't had that gut reaction. I haven't lost any sleep. I just... I look for the excitement. And you called it kind of like a titillation. I want to go because it's like I get high. Yeah. yeah, but the films I'm talking about don't necessarily do that. Like, I don't think Texas Chainsaw Massacre really has a moment where you feel... I'm not scared of those real-life things. Well, so, like, both of you guys kind of mentioned that you're yeah. more yeah. scared of those real-life real things. And that's, you know, I told you it became kind of a, a larger discussion. You know, I was talking to my best friend. I was talking to my girlfriend. And, you know, the film Strangers came up quite often. You know, for my girlfriend, that was probably her big biggest one. And it was because... 
yo, that could happen. Yeah. Right. You know, 100%. that could absolutely happen. But for me, I think I can wrap my head around that stuff. A lot of my work is just, you know, the horrors that people do to one another. I am fully aware of the statistics of it. And I, I know what people can do. But I think maybe, too, that part of that is why I was scared by such creature things. Because even though, okay, yeah, there's not a troll. But, like, I can't wrap my head around that. I can't control that. I don't have a framework for it. So if something like that would ever happen, or even if it's in my dreams, I can't work with that. You know, whereas a human, all right, let's let's figure this out. That's a really interesting, I, that's a really interesting point. Uh, <laughs> That you don't have a framework for it. No. So I don't. Though, I mean, I guess I would argue that some realistic films fall into that. I mean, The Strangers is on my list. I mean, I thought yeah. that was actually one of those films that I wouldn't watch for the longest time because I thought it would be too disturbing. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And even though there are human characters in it, there's no framework for them. Like, there resolutely is no framework because they barely speak. Don't they just say something right at the end where the woman, when she's about to be killed, says something like, why? Yeah, they kind of give you because that Michael you Myers home. head tilt. Yeah. Because you're yeah. home. You were home. home. That's all they, they kind of... And that was it. I think that's all they say. Yeah, that head cock, man. That's creepy. So, like, do you have? Do you feel you can control that and that you have a framework no, for that? I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know. That's something that's just been played out in life is, you know... Okay, tur- torture, murder, you know, again, I don't ever want to go through it. Like, li- unlike Liz, who thinks that, like, drowning is peaceful. <laughs> Even though again, I just buy this. I yeah. just sent her definitive proof. I know. I Someone who it. was drowning in the novel <laughs> talked about how incredibly painful it was. Yeah. Lies, fake news. <laughs> Alternative facts. I, um... I don't I don't know. It's like I've seen it play out on the news. I've seen it play out with the people I've met. I've seen it. So I, I kind of, you know, the end game mythological creature like a troll showing up in my room at night. Nobody else is seeming to see it. You know, it, it wants to do something to me, like steal my breath. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Same thing with those, you know, labyrinth guys flinging their heads at me like that just was horrific to me. And, like, what do you do with that? Like, what do you do with that? So let's just say it's a you real world. You don't do anything because they don't exist. <laughs> but think about it. Why are they not like, I was that kid, though. Like, I would always go down to the, the, the local library, and I was always on the floor that had just all the, the mythological books. So I would just sit there and consume these fairy books and trolls and gnomes. And, like, I don't know. Like, that's what my brain was just obsessed with you know, what if this could happen? Or what if people don't realize it? Or where did these ideas come from? Because somebody came up with these and like collective, you know, groups of people came up with these things. And I was like, oh, so I would just sit there and just go through these books like crazy. (laughs) It's fascinating to me because I would be doing the same thing in the library, but I was in the real crime section looking at the books and the photos in the books to the point where I can so vividly remember because my mother used to drop me off on Saturdays with a lunch, be like, stay out of trouble. So I would go read and I don't know how I found my way into the real life crime section, but the librarians actually said to her, should she be reading this? My mom, you know, hippie. Yeah, she can read whatever she wants. But that's what I was reading while you were reading about trolls. But and I feel whatnot. like people prepare you for that stuff. They're like, you know what? There's bad people out there in the world. There was the whole Stranger Danger campaign as we were growing up. And like people say, you're like, okay, there's this evil in the world. But nobody 
prepares you for this scary shit that kids think about, like the stuff in your brain. And maybe that's the yeah. difference. So if you have like not just a framework, but a personal framework, and it's not just knowing, but having experienced yeah. that that could be a threat, like that could be in your home and that it would be a real person. I think that impacts differently right okay. because then you have like real life knowledge you know well yeah this happens i don't have time to be afraid of things that are imaginative or are possibly out there because i'm too busy focusing on what i know to be real and so i think that might be one of the differences could be i don't know because i think you're right like how especially i think when you're children what you experience yeah. lays the groundwork for what's going to trigger you I hate that word trigger too. Oh my you god! Said, I think just sometimes the the stuff that's in my brain is always going to be worse than anything that's ever on a film or in a book or I don't know. The oh, crazy I agree. Inside my brain. I, I absolutely agree that what you can come up with in your head is way darker. It's just funny how it manifests differently yeah. in people. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer did wind up on my list. I knew it would. There you yeah. go. Yeah, and not because it's particularly frightening in the traditional sense. It's just you are left completely bereft of hope <laughs> absolutely yeah. like i watched that film and i don't think i'll go back and rewatch it and i just absolutely felt empty like dead inside afterward <laughs> i was God. like this is yeah definitely awful. watching <laughs> <laughs> it's so well done though I, yeah. I really i do recommend people watch it yeah. once i don't know that i would go back and sample it again but there's something to that just not even looking for like the spectacular and the grotesque, but just sort of the everyday violence and seeing the way that that gets perpetuated in ways that you will never would never expect. Because there is a scene in that where people do infiltrate the home. And so I think that's for me where I started thinking, oh, well, maybe the threat can come in too through the front yeah. door when you're least expecting it. I think we're definitely getting a point of distinction here. Um, I mean, this conversation seems to have gotten pretty dark since we began, <laughs> since we began with we are dark. Um, but I, <laughs> There's that again. again. I was, you know, I wrote down at one point, there's pleasant horror and unpleasant horror. And there has to be a better way, fancier way to put that. But... The Henry portrait of a serial killer seems like unpleasant horror. Yeah. It is too close to home, too bleak. Yeah, and I'm not sure that's the kind of horror I like the most. I'll watch some of it. But I guess like the, the two big films I have sort of at the center of my list are kind of similar. And probably neither of you agree with either one of them. <laughs> uh -oh. But I, th I think these are really terrifying horror films in that the horror is to some degree framed as a narrative and so it's somewhat enjoyable though the reason they're frightening to me is because they are very realistic and that it's the Blair Witch Project from mm -hmm. 1999 and Paranormal Activity oh, from I've 2007 that one, yeah. and I'm just saying because these two films are the only two I can really remember in recent history genuinely scared me like after I watched Paranormal Activity I couldn't sleep Really? Um, wow. Do you think anything had, like, the way they were filmed? Yes, weren't they, it's okay. about the way, I mean, it's definitely about the way they're filmed. You know, they're sort of relentlessly mundane in the normal world, very normal, even annoying characters. The use of visual obscurity, which I think horror film does brilliantly, good for horror films do brilliantly, like, whether the, the cameras are moving or stationary, there are things you can't see that are just off the, the side of the frame. 
And then there are things that are just moving quickly into the frame and then out. And you can't tell what they are. It just really messes with your sense of what's out there. So I love those two films. Do you think uh, the buildup of the Blair Witch yeah. added anything to? Yeah. Because that well, was you unique. You said that earlier. The anticipation. Well, the yeah. sort of, I mean, in, in all ways, like outside of the film, but inside the film too. Like just lots of anticipating dread, suspense, build up. Interesting. Because, yeah, there's been so many like ghost or poltergeist type films, you know, before. But those ones in particular for you. Interesting. And it's because yeah. in, in both of them, you don't see a monster. I mean, this is kind of crucial to me. And it's kind of paradoxical. Because I do agree with Noel Carroll's famous argument that a monster is kind of crucial to horror. Mm -hmm. You know, the fear and the repulsion. But then I think, like, I 100% believe that films are better when they show don't show the monster, mm -hmm. show yeah. it very fleetingly, show it only at the very end, show only little parts of it. Like, a film becomes boring to me the moment you get a full-on camera shot of the monster. Like, usually that means it's yeah, time to go down. It's that. going downhill. They just, to me, are sort of the epitome of good good horror. So you have a lot of ghosts in yep. yours. That's yeah, interesting. My last film doesn't have a ghost, but witches. I do have a demons. ghost thing, but it's not a horror film. We were talking about it. It's, it's a video game. But, it, you know, it falls into the realm of horror, and it's the Fatal Frame series of video games. They kind of they came out some time ago, I think back when I was on PlayStation 2 kind of time. And they're very much kind of in, you know, the realm of like a J-horror type thing. So you're you're trying to figure out where these, these kids went. And, well, there's, like I said, multiple games. But you're wandering through these haunted places, and really you're only armed with a camera. And so you're viewing the video game through the lens of, say, an old camera, not like a video camera, but like a camera camera, you know. And in order to kind of ward these ghosts off, you have to get them into your frame and you have to let them get close enough because the closer and clearer they are to you, the better picture you're going to get, which is going to kind of ward them off more. I have to have the lights on and I have to have the sound off to, mm -hmm. to play this game because the fact that like I'm. Like, I'm purposely allowing them to get as close as possible to me. It just does something to me. And I, I mean, I play video games all the time. I mean, I have, you know, the Silent Hill games. They were, they were pretty intense, too, because of the sounds in some of them and the way that some of the characters would move. There were these things that were like mannequins slash nurses, and they just, the way that their bodies moved and the darkness. Again, the anticipation would build, build up because you're walking through these dark areas. You don't always have a full view of what's going on. Like, in these games, you you kind of feel like you can turn your head, but you you can't. So part of that that buildup was there too. But Fatal Frame by far annihilated my fear of like a Silent Hill type game. I think because you had to let it get close to you. Like with with Silent Hill, if you had a good enough weapon, like whether you know you had the length of a crowbar, you had the length of you know a bat, like knives. Okay, not so much. You had a gun. So you could get somebody when they were across the room. But if I was actually going to kill this ghost in Fatal Frame, I had to wait. Ooh. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. Alas, I do not have a ghost on any of mine, but I did go a little bit left for this next one. Good. Yeah, it's from a soap opera. Oh. <laughs> another World. Yes, Another World, 1996, when Frankie Frame mm -hmm. is killed. And I think there's something to be said about familiarity with a character and what that can do in creating and sort of elevating suspense and dread. Because part of the reason I love 
soap operas and serialized storytelling in general is that it really does allow you to build empathy and a relationship with the characters over a sustained period of time. So you're dealing with a character, in this case, Frankie Frame, who had been on the show, I guess, at least a decade, maybe 15 years by this point. And the brutality, she's stalked by a serial killer because, of course, you know, serial killers have come to Bay City and was, you know, picking off characters left and right. You can laugh. It's fine. It's my equivalent to E.T. I get that. Okay. But, you know, you sort of see the trajectory. And when it finally comes to her and she's literally being chased and you think, well, okay, of course they're not going to kill one of the central characters. And then she's bludgeoned to death. And in her final words, she's like, you know, tell my daughter, you know, I love her, who's like this little kid that you've just watched be born. And it was just this really interesting interplay of dread because I can't think of another time when I actually felt like I was holding my breath the entire time watching it play out. And wow. I love slasher films. I'm not frightened by slasher films. I think that's why I gravitate toward them because they're fun horror for me. I want to see the cool kills and I want to see the monster. But for this one, I I remember just holding my breath. And when the murder was finally committed, just like releasing it and thinking like, whoa, that was a daytime television show that just took place at two o'clock in the afternoon. And was it for real? It wasn't her evil twin getting killed? No, she was a goner. Yeah, she came back as a ghost years later. You know how we do on soap operas. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) There is my ghost. She didn't frighten me as a ghost. But yeah, that one resonated with me. What, no sofa for on your guys' whatever? Uh, no, I think I did a brief stint with Swan's Crossing, which was like a teen. <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah. I'm familiar. I, of course I, you are. I was a big All My Children fan back when Kelly Rippo was on it. Nice. I loved uh, And wasn't her husband on it, too? Oh, Mateo. You played Mateo. Yeah, Mateo. Yes, oh, my goodness. That was such a good plot. I'm a fan anyway. of useless soap opera information. Hey, we've all got our thing. I'm going to get to my last movie because it's a little different than the others, and it's a film I really highly recommend. I've written about it on Horror Homeroom. Backcountry. I know with the bear. 2004. Yeah, this is the bear. And I just thought it was interesting that this film and one moment in it in particular scared me because it's so different from what I just said about Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity because the truly scary moment of Backcountry happens in broad daylight. Yeah. Um, I mean, over the course of the night, the, the couple who are out camping think they hear things. But then in the morning, when they think they've survived the night, um, at one point, they look out of the tent and there's just <laughs> this regular, large, I don't know if it's a black bear. No. I think it's, it's got to be a grizzly because yeah. it was big. Just standing there staring at them. Um, and then it comes right at them, rips <laughs> one of them apart in full daylight. And it was just a horrifying moment. I like that you're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <It> ripped apart. <laughs> it, it's a really good film and definitely yeah. underrated. I mean, it's similar to Paranormal and Blair Witch and that it is like it has a, a long, realistic setup, a um, lot of dread build up. But yeah, the, the horrifying moment is in broad daylight. And you see it, like the camera's full on looking at the bear. It's not in the corner of your eye. It's not outside of the frame. So I have a couple other like moments. And I think that it, it speaks to just maybe what I started to find more threatening as I got older, as opposed to, you know, trolls and E.T. again. <laughs> uh huh. I mean, the first one doesn't necessarily ha- have to do with what I found threatening at a, at a certain age. But I think that when The Ring came out, so the American version, so... You know, that, again, came up when I was talking to my best friend and my girlfriend. Like, it was just one that kept coming up. I didn't 
really watch J-horror before that because it just wasn't something I had really been exposed to. Because, again, remember, too, like a lot of times if you didn't see something in the movie theater, you had to go to, you know, Blockbuster to rent it. And there really wasn't a section for any of that, you know, at the time. And so to see this American version in 2002 of this girl, like the creepiness of her body climbing out mm-hmm. and then some of the just different types of film shots that you started to see after that in something in like a, you know a grudge or a one miss call or, or whatever things like that that came out later on of just you know people upside down and twisted and bent and just walking at you so i think that that was a unique moment i won't forget um going forward but then when it came to things that started to actually threaten me that i was uncomfortable just sitting there watching them so I'll go to the one that's definitely straight horror, and I think that that's The Taking of Deborah Logan, because, oh, again, great. that is one of those films that was, now, her becoming a snake woman and unhinging her jaw, not realistic. But <laughs> until that moment, <laughs> until that yeah. moment, it was something that really could hit home. Those characters were very tangible, and just the horrors of, you know, something like Alzheimer's. Yeah. That was yeah. uncomfortable for me to watch. And then, of course, it, it leads to my not-horror film, which is The Boy Next Door with Jennifer Lopez. Stop. So it's not—the the film didn't scare me. But there was that point in the film where—so it's a teacher that's, you know, having relations with her, her student. I mean, in the film, he's 18 years old. I'm not justifying it, but whatever, you know. It's just that moment when he starts to fight back where he's like, oh, you're, you're not going to love me. Guess what? I'm going to start to expose you. And then she walks into her classroom, and he had hung up, like, f- photos of them. And I think it threatens something in me at such a deep level where I was like, oh, and again, I'm not, you know, sticking up for her, but I'm like, oh, this is her livelihood. This is her job. This is like mm-hmm. everything. She'll never be able to work in this field again. And again, I'm not justifying, but like, I was like, oh God, this is happening. And I just kind of in for some moment was in that with her. And I was like, oh my God, like this, she's ruined. Mm-hmm. And that messed with my head for some reason. I had a similar reaction watching Black Mirror. There's the episode where oh, it yeah. start. you know what episode I'm going to yeah. talk about about it where it starts with you see a kid and you you think he's just been caught masturbating and people are watching him through the computer and they start to blackmail him to do all of these things so your sympathy resides with him for the majority of the episode and then there's a twist at the end which completely undermines that and makes you feel disgusted but the whole idea of someone like being able to watch you and then absolutely systematically take away your livelihood yeah, I found that everything. yes, yeah. I found that unbelievably yeah. dark, and that still is with me. I still cover up like the <laughs> oh, so do I. Yeah, so do I. I. Mean, you know, Ooh, I cover I those cameras. I never. I thought constantly to do cover that. the cameras. Yeah, like I have. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna cover that's right definitely now. <laughs> a, a thought that's in my head all the time of just somebody kind of being able to again lurk right beneath that surface, like yeah. in plain sight. And also that idea of being able to take away yeah. everything you've worked for. Yeah. And have no consequence because that happens. There's something about that stupid boy next door movie because it's not a good movie. But like it just it gets my diaphragm in a knot. Yeah. And then, of course, too. So like on a lighter level. I put the movie Wrong Turn on here because I actually just, I really, really, really love the film. Yeah. And I it does kind of expose my stereotypes and my biases. So I do have to look at myself sometimes when I look at my stereotypes and my biases. But it also just kind of exacerbates my fear of like what I think lurks in the woods or or whatnot. 
Because I, I that was a very good way to put it. Yeah, like so. I'm not scared of the open spaces in the woods. I'm not scared of the bears. I'm not scared of you know what could be typically thought of in the woods. I mean, hell, you put me in the middle of the Bronx, I'm good. Like I'll, you throw me into any city, I'm good. But you put me out in the middle of nowhere, I start to hear banjos playing in my head, <laughs> and I immediately think the worst of mankind. And the worst of mankind is these caricatures that are inbred and they are inbred in this film and they want you because your teeth are purdy <laughs> and they want to like dress up in your skin I see that and I don't know just weird stuff like I start to get freaked out because again there is some kind of like that is a caricature of some type of a person that I'm scared of and that type of a person is that kind of rednecky white good old boy and it doesn't have to be from the South. I know I always say it. It doesn't have to As be. She in the looks South. at me. No, but I think sometimes the, the accent freaks me out a little bit. But it's just that good old boy, that guy that, you know, does crazy things that we've all read about in, in the newspapers, you know. And so he's a character, he's the worst manifestation of it is these wrong turn films. Have you seen the movie, uh, not the movie, the episode of. The X-Files called Home. No. I feel like you've mentioned that to me before. Yeah. So they pulled it from circulation after its original airing. And it revolves around a family of inbred people. And I feel like it would be exactly in your wheelhouse in terms of upsetting to you. It's actually an amazing episode of television. It's too traumatic. Yeah. They got so much feedback and so many calls when the episode aired that they pulled it out of rotation. Is it on YouTube or something? You can still find it, but I don't even think it's back into circulation now. Not that they play X-Files all that much anymore, but yeah, I don't think they ever put it back into rotation, but I could be wrong about that. But I do know for a number of years they pulled it because it was difficult to find, but this was back in the day, like VHS tapes and, you know, having to go underground pursuits of things but that gets to a lot of what you you're talking about i don't for as much as i make fun of you for it i don't think that it's all that of an uncommon fear no because you just hear these horrific things that sometimes and i'm lumping i get it but some of that demographic can do you know just in history like you know draggings and hangings and you know rapings and torturings and crazy stuff and like i said that's probably the most grotesque manifestation of some of those kind of like hillbilly-esque kind of things. I don't know. I think you might be getting at something, though, about like the historical legacy of trauma, because I know I tried to watch American Horror Story. Ah, what was the one that took place in New Orleans? Oh, The Coven. coven. The Coven. Okay. Um, And it starts... I, I believe it was the first episode. It might have been the second episode where you see depicted like the way they were treating slaves before the oh, one lady yeah. Oh, yeah. drained their coming. blood. Yeah, that was to, really hard. It was awful. Yeah. And I had to turn it off. I thought, you know what? Yeah. I, that, this is much, not yeah. entertainment for yeah, me. Exactly. I, I'm getting absolutely no joy out of it. So I'm going to turn this off. It's that thing that gets too close to the real horror Yeah. To be enjoyable. Right. And, you know, like what you were talking about is, you know, it's like Matthew Shepard. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I think about those Brandon Tina movies and Matthew Shepard and all the, yeah, 
And oh my God, talk! That was a trauma. I loved that film and very traumatizing. And even too, yeah. like to this day, like you know, all of the actresses from Pose, a lot of them are activists, and they they were constantly just bringing to light the number of trans people that are dying, you know, on mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And so like that stuff is still out there, and you see like on a larger national stage too, just some of the hate that's out there. And in my brain, I do lump that into a certain type of demographic. And, you know, I think that that kind of gets touched upon with some of those types of of films. Well, that is not the demographic at the center of my final film. Although, (laughs) again, it's not a horror film. I feel like I, I have betrayed the horror community. But when I think about what really frightens me, this is kind of a good representation. And I'll say that this, I saw this film after an event happened in my own life, and it happened probably about like 12 years ago. And it's when I went missing, and I couldn't find her. And she, I knew she was in the house. I could not find her for a solid hour. I called the police. You know, wow, I got in my car. Scary. I drove around the neighborhood. And I just remember so crystal clear, like, knowing if I don't find her, I will never recover from this. And it completely changed fear for me. I don't fear anything in horror films. So that leads me to actually a PBS movie from (laughs) 2018, right? I know, PBS. Um, It's called The Child in Time, and it's based on the Ian McEwan, I believe, novel. And it's basically just what it says, like a child goes missing. Uh, She's out with her father at a grocery store. He turns around. She's gone. And you never know what happens. It, It leaves you in that suspenseful state. And the film tracks that trajectory of how do you go on? What does that look like? How do you deal with like that trauma every single day and just the unknowing? And to me, that is the most frightening thing in the world, like not knowing. Murder's bad enough, finding the body's bad enough, but just having that suspended state of what happened, I think is frightening as hell to me. And so that really gets at it for me. Sorry, guys. Well, All mine are really dark. When you yeah, said frightening, I said frightening. Then we got dark. <laughs> But it is interesting how we all kind of experience it differently. And I think we talked a little bit about how it just relies on your context for for things. No, definitely. You know, because, I mean, would I probably be scared of E.T. now? No. I hope not. (laughs) I love E.T. I have a giant E.T. in my house. You should come over. I I don't think you've ever seen them. Otherwise, everybody would be sending me, like, E.T. memes and stuff. For your birthday, that's all you're going to get now. E.T. things and trolls. Yeah, I hate that thing. I'll throw it right. In. I'll throw it into the fan, just like they did in the movie. I hate that stupid little thing. No. So, can we generalize about anything before we before we sign off? Like, I, I think we've given listeners a lot of things to watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or to laugh at. Yeah. Or to laugh at. Question. Raise eyebrows. We're gonna um, get a lot of. They're not really horror fans. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's well. You and know you what? can bite me. I guess then we should at least get to the larger thing. So we we started this whole entire thing because Dawn, you had found an article just kind of saying something about horror films aren't yeah. aren't just generally horror films. Generally, aren't scary. horror films are not that scary. Or very surprisingly, few horror films are actually frightening. Okay. So, and I yeah. would argue, you know, it's been a long time since something has. been been scary for me but again it could be because i've been inoculated like yeah. you start to mm-hmm. know the formula like yeah. a randy and scream and you you know you look forward to it and when now we're in this era of elevated horror oh, i hate which that is, term you know <laughs> so i think that they've been marketing a different type of horror maybe yeah. more recently yeah. or it's, oh god there's so many bloody sequels too right yeah. now so that's kind of what started it i guess at the end of it like do we say is horror scary yeah and none of us mentioned a film 
I think the Strangers was like the 09. most. Oh, actually, well, Backcountry is 2014. You guys seem to be mostly in the 90s and 80s. Yeah. Uh, no, Taking of Deborah Logan. Oh, yeah, 14, I think, 2014. And then we have, I think Wrong Term was relatively recent yeah, maybe in the 09. 2000s. Well, there's definitely been a mainstreaming of horror. Definitely. And I think the more exposure. Right. Yeah, yeah, good point. And the more you're exposed to something, the yeah. less you're going to find it triggering. So I think it probably makes sense that I have always argued that I don't think the source of horror culturally is still in horror movies. I have a whole separate argument that I think it's actually in fan fiction for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I actually had wanted to pursue that as a research topic, but I found it so dark and so troubling <laughs> That I can, compl- I go back to it periodically, thinking I'll I'll delve back into it, but I, I don't think I ever will finish it. And again, I'm not gonna sit here and say I don't ever jump at a jump scare. Like that's not true. Like, do I startle? Hell yeah, I love every single minute of it. But that's you know? fun though. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exhilarating. But yeah, it's been a minute since I've I've found something really terrifying or I mean, stayed with me. It yeah. sounds like my terror, and it was at Paranormal Activity, was the closest any yeah. of us have been to being scared. In the last decade, yeah. So but I, would, I would still say horror is good. Yeah, oh, like there's still damn, there's still good horror. I, oh, that's pretty much all I watch. And yeah, there's lots of it that's good. Absolutely. Let us know what you think of our scary films, scary moments, and most importantly, what you think are some of the scariest movies Absolutely. and moments. So hit us Maybe up on all things horror something. homeroom, I guess. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye.